Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Rick Rule. Rick Rule is a favorite of the Real Vision community. If you'd like to meet Rick and get a masterclass from the master himself, you'll want to head to the Rick Rule Symposium on Natural Resource Investing in Florida, July 23 to 27. You'll get access to industry insiders, elite bullion dealers, gold council members, and uranium pros. Just head over to realvision.com slash Rick for tickets. That's realvision.com slash Rick. So Josh, first of all, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, how are you doing today? You know, how are the vibes this week for you? Hey guys, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, vibes are good. Coming off vacation. I think the rest of the market's also on vacation. So that's why we've seen a whole lot of nothing going on lately here price-wise but when people get back things are going to get interesting i think as some more news type events start popping up and uh wanting to move price it's interesting how it seems like you know 32k has been really guarded and 30k has been really guarded uh from the buyers and the sellers respectfully you know inverse to that so we've really held this range extremely tightly and one of the just Boom, throwing it out, Bollinger Bands, for anybody who knows what those are, you know, just a measure of uh, a lack of volatility, just very, very tight on the Bollinger Bands here on the daily chart. Well, I'm definitely uh, excited to talk about some of some of those uh, events that might be taking place uh, when everyone's getting back from vacation. I want to hear all about this. But, you know, Josh, before we, we jump into things, I, I wanted to ask you if you can give us, you know, a quick primer on your DMARC analysis and, and how that differs from other approaches in, in this space? Uh, yeah, sure. You mean, um, so I'm mainly a cloud, Ichimoku cloud trader. Um, I think the TD guys, is it somebody else on the call? But um, really what you got to figure out for yourself is, you know, what type of trader are you? Like you were saying earlier, are you a short time horizon person? Are you a long time horizon person? you're better off over time using a long time horizon, you know, five or 10 years, I think is a bit much, but uh, certainly acceptable for most people, depending on if you are leaning towards that investor mindset. I think the investor mindset's more five to 10 year time horizon. Uh, as a trader, my sweet spot personally is like weeks, months, days. Uh, but that's me, right? Some people are really good at trading, extremely low time frames. I, I just prefer higher uh, timeframes, higher timeframes generally just give you more data, you know? So if you're making quick decisions all the time, if you're trying to swerve the car in and out of the lane constantly, you're going to crash a lot more often than if you're on cruise control and, uh, you know, you're just vibing, right? So <laughs> uh, from that perspective, I prefer trend trading. I prefer sitting in a position for a long period of time and, uh, letting the market just do its thing. You know, another thing people get into trouble with is they're just over trading all the time. They just, I'm a trader. I got to click the button, right? Like that's not how you make money. That just isn't, isn't how, you know, most people over time make money anyway. 
that's that's a very interesting point to to make because I I do know some people that have just gotten into you know the trading realm and and that's something they do they always kind of feel like they have to make a trade if they see something so that's actually very good that you mentioned that so you talked about um you know your your little your time horizon and some things you look for but what are what are some indicators that that you look for when trading? Um, you know, most traders I talk to are are day traders, but it's very interesting that you're kind of a little longer term than that sometimes. So, so what are some indicators you look for uh, in your trades? Yeah, so from a trend perspective, just what I mean there is, you know, are we making higher highs over time generally, or are we making lower lows over time? If we're making higher highs, that's known as a bullish market. If we're making lower lows, then that's known as a bearish market. Uh, if you're making higher highs or lower lows quickly, then uh, typically you see uh, volume come along with that. But uh, from a trend perspective, I prefer Ichimoku Cloud. I've, I've certainly popularized it, I think, in crypto over the past 10 years since I've been trading. Uh, and that's just really kind of a seemingly complex moving average system, when in reality it's just the, the checks and balances to sort of keep me on the right side of the trade. Basically, you need you need some sort of litmus test to help get your mind out of it. So subtract the subjectivity, use math, and from then on out, you know, you can just use your system, assuming that it works to some degree, to help ideally make more good trades and bad trades over time. And that's all that's the best anybody can do. So what would you you know, I'm kind of jumping all over the place here, but like, what would you say to someone who is, you know, kind of just getting in, in into, they've been involved in crypto, they're a holder, uh, so they have some knowledge of what goes on, they have an idea of, of certain trends, but they have never, you know, traded, whether that's chart, cloud trading, they're, they're wanting to get involved in, into it for the first time, what what would you, what are some tips you would give them or what, in what direction would you point them to kind of get that knowledge and, and confidence in trading? Yeah. So one of the things that really helped me initially was just being a part of a group of people talking about, this is a great example, right? As, as a spaces or early on, it was TeamSpeak. Now it's more discord oriented. Maybe it's even Reddit, um, whatever it is, right? Uh, Wall Street bets, right? <laughs> Whatever community, uh, crypto Twitter, uh, TradingView, you need to have some sort of exposure so you have some baseline as far as what even exists, right? You don't know what you don't know. So you need some sort of initial springboard to at least show you what's going on. If you want a more structured approach, um, there's this site called babypips.com that has like breakdown classes for people that are free like it's, it's really good super basic if you know absolutely nothing another one i really like um is trading view again just on the ideas section just to see what people are looking at are they, are they looking at elliott waves are elliott waves absurd are moving averages better do i like chart patterns right that way you have at least some sort of knowledge base to go forward and try to understand what's going on uh, and then from there, I would try to apply it yourself um, in some form, low stakes sort of situation, right? Um, and and learn from there. But a lot of people sort of just like click buttons and hope for the best, right? <laughs> that's, that's funny. I think a lot of people do do that. Um, so 
kind of a, a holistic uh, a view view right now. What it, where do you where do you see the market right now? And you know, where do you see it? You know, kind of heading. What where do you see our trends heading? You know, I guess in the next six months uh, to a year from now. Yeah, one good thing to watch always is engagement. So if, if you're in this space, as you're probably uh, aware of various crypto influencers or YouTube channels, whatever it is, and just watch watch how the engagement changes uh, in the comment section and the views. Like this is just super basic, basic anecdotal, right? You can look at this from a metric perspective when we're talking about Google Trends. But you'll notice now, right? It's sure it's vacation, it's summer, it's like, you know, low engagement anyway um but just notice how the engagement changes and how sentiment broadly changes that's very powerful for crypto has been since uh, you know 2011 Josh, i think uh, you're completely right there um just before you move on too quickly when you're talking about the markets within the next six months and engagement is very important we have a question from the audience called alex cod um i know alex is not raising his hand up just yet but he's asking you what is a cloud trader because i think you mentioned that at the very beginning so he goes what is a cloud trader complete novice here sure yeah so ichimoku cloud is a specific indicator you can pull up on uh, most trading platforms. I don't know what people use other than TradingView these days. Um, CryptoWatch is a good one as well. Back in the day, Bitcoin Wisdom was a really good charting uh, website. But I would definitely get out of the habit of if you're going to like Google.com and like searching tickers and things like that or Yahoo, like get out of that habit. Go towards things like TradingView. Uh, again, these are free resources, so it's not like there's no there's no cost there, um, because then you'll you'll see the tools that are available, and you'll see this massive encyclopedia of trading resources. Um, but the cloud uh, was created by a Japanese journalist in the 50s, I believe, um, and again, it just helps you figure out what the trend is. Are, are we bullish? Are we bearish? And then it gives you sort of uh, entry points based on certain crosses within that system. Uh, it's very hard to describe without looking at it. But uh, if you go through my Twitter, you'll see uh, plenty of examples of that. Now, that was a great question, uh, Alex Cod. Uh, thank you for asking that because uh, I did not really know what that was. I was going to revisit that, but great question. So, so Josh, so... So we're looking at engagement, and that's a that's a good way to kind of see where where the trends are are going. Um, so so I guess you know. Well, before... that's just yeah, that's just like a non you know non price metric you can use just anecdotally, right? Like, is your family coming up to you? Do people know that you're trading crypto or that you're into crypto? Are they asking you about it? Are people randomly asking you about Doge or some you know meme coin, right? Like, know know when to remember those moments. And remember what price was in those moments relative to now when basically crypto is kind of left for dead, you know, for most people. Um, most people, if they were in crypto last year, they lost a lot of money. They blew up. They're sort of sour grapes sort of situation on, on everything. Um, and now we have institutions sort of rolling in, picking up pieces. So over the next six months, I think uh, institutional flows are going to be critical. Uh, another free resource for people is uh, James Butterfell on CoinShares 
does this weekly flows report from all the institutional products. And he basically looks at uh, where the money is going in the ETFs, the ETPs. And you'll notice the complete reverse of sentiment there since the um, ETF application by BlackRock. So that I think is another uh, critical metric to watch over the next six months, because where's the money going to be coming from? Probably not retail, probably going to be coming from uh, institutional. That's where this unlocked flows. You know, it's like a dam, right? There's, it's been shut off for, for years. People just watching on the sidelines, watching things blow up. And the BlackRock ETF, assuming it gets approved, will just open that, that floodgate. Uh, it's, a, it's a funny thing you mentioned there about, you know, just engagement and kind of paying attention. Uh, we have a running joke in a couple of our community run Twitter spaces that when your normie friends are asking you about uh, the next or the hot crypto coin, that is that is a good time to start selling. Um, but it's just, you know, just a fun joke that we have. Don't do that to your friends, guys. Um, but I'm really glad you mentioned that. So we just brought uh, DeFi Deffin on the stage. Another one of our great visionaries. Lance, how you doing? What you got for us? Very well, thank you. Um, great to see you all again here. What I did like was what Josh said. And a lot of people sort of forget about this. He kept saying it. He said it multiple times. Over time. Making money over time. I think there's so many people that are wanting to try and make money tomorrow bang bang uh, you know you can't blame these people but i think the key is like josh says is, is to, to make this money over time um and yeah there's plenty of free resources out there so completely agree with that and i wish that we could hear that more often from people just saying Dude, let's grow this over time there's no rush the markets ain't going anywhere you know so yeah refreshing thank you josh Yeah, and guys, the space is also recorded, so you can always go back and, and listen. Uh, Josh has mentioned a, a few different resources that you can you can go and check out as well. Uh, so definitely uh, check check those out. So so Josh, you know, in in our space, and you know, we, within the Real Vision community, we have a very degen crowd, if you will. Uh, you know, we people that like to you know go in on on altcoins, as we call them, shit coins. But, you know, an, an important thing when throwing money around is, is managing risk, right? And, and in trading, I think that's a very important thing. Just as it's important to take profits, it's, I think it's also equally as important to stop your losses as well, to live, to trade another day. What, um, what can you, like, what are some strategies you use to manage risk? Or how do you view that as a, as a whole in your trading strategy? Sure, yeah. I mean... Just being at the table is the single most important thing that you can do as a trader. The last thing you want to do is blow up, you know, and if you blow up, you're done, right? So most people need to blow up to figure out what they did wrong, which is unfortunate, but it's part of the trading uh, tuition. That's just historically for most people how, how it works out, right? Either you blew up trading at FTX, <laughs> you blew up not understanding custodial or counterparty risk at, you know, Celsius, block buy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but hopefully, uh, you know, that's a small price people are paying and they're learning over time. But one of the first and easiest things you can do is, uh, from a risk perspective, 
you know, to avoid, you know, custodial issues or just, you know, misclicks, whatever, is set up sort of sub-accounts on your, on your trading accounts, which just means uh, either make multiple accounts or if the trading venue has the sub-account option, um, that way you can split up your funds separately. Another way I just do that personally is I keep a lot of my funds in a hardware wallet. I keep the trading funds on the exchange and that's that. That's sort of my version of a sub-account. But that way I'm not blowing up. If I, if I do blow up or if there's you know a hack or whatever, I don't lose everything instantly, right? It's sort of protection against myself or any sort of other shenanigans. I was around for Mt. Gox, okay? So <laughs> not your keys, not your coins is, is very real. And people people realize that uh, over the past Josh, year. Josh, so. I've got a question for you. You know how yep. you said you use um, your cold wallets, obviously, for stuff that you don't want to touch. But obviously, for speed purposes, you do have to use sort of like a centralized um, exchange to on-ramp. Mm -hmm. What is in your eyes at the moment, <laughs> dare I ask, one of the safest sort of exchanges to use out there nowadays um with the exception of coinbase because i think that one's too easy sure yeah this is highly dependent on jurisdiction i, I figured based on the accent most people are in the uk but <laughs> for me um i prefer kraken and coinbase i onboarded with coinbase in 2013 and uh traded with them for a long time uh kraken onboarded early days as well um any other exchange I would be very, very careful. You know, that includes Binance. That includes any high leverage shitcoin exchange. Um, prevent yourself from blowing up at, at their cost or at your lack of discretion regarding custodial risk. You know, just split those funds up. You don't have to, you don't have to go all 100x long on Bitmax, Bitmax in one trade. You know, just split it up and uh, be responsible. That's that's really the best way to not blow up. Uh, and at the first sight of any issue with any exchange, just take the funds and put them in a hardware wallet, right? Just turtle up. It takes five seconds to do, assuming they have the funds to give you, obviously. But uh, yeah, back to your original question, Coinbase and Kraken are certainly my top two uh, currently. It's very good advice. Thank you. Um, so, hey, hey, everyone, how's everyone doing? I hope you're all good. Um, why not Binance? Yeah, so Binance, you know, if you would have told me last year that all the things that happened with FTX happened with Binance, I think most people would almost not bat an eye. You know, they'd just be like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, Binance has had issues for years, and they continue to have issues even now. Um, that's a risk I'm not willing to take. It doesn't mean like other people are okay with those risks versus uh, myself. I just uh, prefer not to keep anything on Binance personally. Um, and it's certainly dependent on which asset you're keeping. Is it in BSC? Is it on Binance US? Is it, uh, you know, in one of their staking or lending products? Um, I just personally wouldn't uh use binance at this time okay interesting and uh if i may ask a follow-up question yeah sure uh what are your thoughts on um passive trading right so i mean there are some tools uh there's a new there's a new dap called astrodow 
and it uses AI powered signals and Uniswap, and it basically automates the trades. Yeah, so you put your money in, a, in, a, in an index. You can put your money in there, whichever index you want, and it just automates the trading based on AI based signals. What are your thoughts on on uh, passive trading? Are you into it, uh, and would you consider it? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big proponent of all that sort of stuff. Um, and I've played around with a lot of that stuff over the years. Um, I would just be really careful with, again, use the sub account mindset in your head. You're not giving somebody 100 BTC or 300 grand or whatever it is. Um, split the money up, okay? You, you know, you, again, you don't want to blow up. You don't want to risk some trading error on some DeFi index uh etc 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 you don't want to give all your money to, to blockfi or celsius right like people learn these lessons now but uh it's it's the same thing that hasn't changed uh, i don't have any issues with those sort of um automated trading robot trading robo trading right um i would start small see if it works it doesn't mean it can't randomly blow up on you overnight but uh again just protect yourself from yourself you know use use the sub account mindset and split things up um you know i don't like binance but it doesn't mean other people don't as well and they can certainly uh, keep funds there but there's a difference between uh, lunch money and losing your seat at the table right so i would just encourage people to be very careful with uh losing all their money in one place right <laughs> unfortunately that's just the state of thing in uh, in digital assets right now Okay, cool. Uh, check check out the jumbo check out the jumbotron for the platform I was talking about. Thanks. And you know, speaking of of Binance, Josh, you know, just recently, uh, I don't, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, it was, Binance had Bitcoin and ETH in particular trading at prices significantly lower than than the rest of the market or the rest of exchanges. Do you do you have an insight on on why that might be? Was that was that just a glitch on on their website, or is that was that done purposefully? Is there any reason why they might do something like that? Yeah, anytime generally you see a disconnect, whether it's uh, Poloniex, Kraken, you know, some other random exchange, uh, that usually means there isn't an arbitrage ability there. There isn't a two way flow that's easily reconnected. Uh, between sort of the fiat markets, the banking rails, and what you're seeing on uh, the market pairs. So I would definitely be very careful. You know, you might think, oh, this Bitcoin's on sale in Binance, right? <laughs> but uh, come to find out like, oh, you, it's very hard to get fiat into Binance or someone is buying uh, a stable coin or maybe Binance is selling XYZ crypto to shore up some other hole in their balance sheet somewhere else right um these things happen at binance okay they just do <laughs> again that's just me i'm um uh, i just don't use binance anymore so at this point i any shenanigans you see over there uh i just assume it's not good things and and we know that their banking banking rails aren't really connected uh, at the moment and globally it seems like every other day you see a new bank or a new jurisdiction is, is dropping them as uh, ability to get money into the exchange. So you're going to see very weird prices uh, in, on Binance because of that. 
That's great. That's great to know. Appreciate that explanation. Lance, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Josh, when you're approaching the markets, are you are, are you having a view on what the U.S. dollar is doing or interest rates? Um, or are you straight to your rich and moco cloud? And if it's above the cloud, you're in the, the, the uptrend. And if it's below the cloud, you're in a, a downtrend. Or are you actually taking notice of like, what's going on globally? That makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, uh, for most of Bitcoin's history, for most of the history of cryptocurrency, you know, rates were zero effectively, right? Or negative in some places. So, most people, including myself, never really cared to look at rates or paid attention. You know, I didn't really know who Greenspan was or anybody else, right? Now, everybody knows who Paul is. That's a bad sign. <laughs> everybody knows that the CPI releases tomorrow. Okay, everyone's super keyed into macro stuff. There's a billion podcasts on macro, right? Um, so these days, yes, uh, ever since the Fed got more hawkish in the U.S., definitely paying attention to inflation, paying attention to rates, paying attention to all those little data points. Again, like, okay, you're going, you're driving down some main thoroughfare. Is the amusement park parking lot full okay <laughs> uh, i just saw a headline today about the disney uh lines being the least you know long they've been in, in years so this is some sort of anecdotal indication that either disney's too expensive or people are running out of money right it's all these like little data points again that um aren't necessarily actionable but pay attention to to what you're seeing out there because you'll hear people say you know we're definitely going to a recession or everything's fine. And it's very hard to interpret uh, everything collectively. So are you, are you finding that yes. kind of it's improved your risk management as well? Just being aware of them little things. Does it make you stop and think before? Uh, well, obviously it does. But so to clean that question up, I, do you ultimately find that it's helping with your risk management? Yeah, so I think understanding like the tailwinds and the headwinds, right? Are, is is the Fed being hawkish, a tailwind or a headwind? Just basically understanding that, right? It's a headwind. Okay, so what is the Fed doing right now? They're raising, but they're getting close to maybe ending um, that cycle. They may do a couple more raises, blah blah blah, right? So that does affect um, the risk management perspective as far as size is concerned, as far as uh, trade duration, or even how far I expect the trade to run price-wise based on uh, market events, right? So again, tomorrow there's a CPI release in the US and we're probably going to see a lower CPI, which may end up breaking us out of this range on, on Bitcoin. And five minutes after that, we may drop right back down to the range because that's how we've been trading. So, you know, if I'm a breakout trader and I'm waiting for a level to be breached and there's a market event coming up, I may be reducing the size on my on my trades. Yeah, I, was about uh, to based on... yeah, I was about to say, would you be trading into that number? Are you going to leave your positions on or would you keep out of that position if you knew that the news was coming? Yeah, so I don't like to trade around uh, the event itself, you know, like the number comes out and then you start trading it, right? I like to sort of in advance have an understanding of what's going on. Um, 
again, like I'm, I'm saying, I think CPI is going to come down. Um, Trueflation is a really good website for that. Uh, it has both UK and the US versions. And they've been dead on the money as far as sort of predicting direction and speed and intensity at uh, CPI. Josh, I was just going to ask then, because I feel like you have a good grasp of the lay of the land out there, a term that we often use at Real Vision is that macro is crypto and crypto is macro. And I think what you just mentioned touches on all that kind of stuff. So I think a very simple question to you is, do you feel that we still have a looming recession coming in? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) again, like you go down the street, you know, restaurants are full. Everyone's looking for work still on the services side. Um, but at the same time, houses are the most unaffordable they've ever been. Cars are the most unaffordable or affordable they've ever been. Credit card APY is the highest they've ever been. Uh, non-revolving credit declining. Um, it's, you know, it's things are just all over the place. I don't have a good read necessarily on the expectation. The other side of it is the jobs data we get. The, when it comes out, it gets revised the next month and everyone forgets that a revision happened and it doesn't even matter. So the data itself is seems to be uh, corrupted in some fashion. So uh, it's very topsy-turvy analysis paralysis type stuff. Uh, I don't know. And the other question is, will a recession even affect like Bitcoin prices, for example, right? Like from an actionability perspective, I, I'd like to think it probably would, but Ultimately, it probably comes down to the strength of the dollar. If the dollar continues to weaken, uh, we should expect that to act as a tailwind for prices uh, on, the, on the crypto side. So it, it's really hard. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it, it also depends on your political leanings. If you're uh, red Republican, you're probably seeing things like the SPR getting drawn down and people getting super angry and. Uh, very doomerish, and if you're blue, uh, you know you're probably more hopeful and optimistic. So <laughs> I don't know; it's very tough. Yeah, and the market, the market, and the economy are different things. Ain't it? I mean, a trader is going to make money on the way up and on the way down, so they get twice as rich in a recession. It's just the poor bloke who's on the streets who hasn't got a clue what's going on in the world. They're the ones that feel it the most. But somebody that knows what they're doing. They get double rich when people are getting their answers raped, for want of a better word. Well, um, sorry. one of the indicators I look for, and I see a lot at the moment, is our customers switch from paying us on a debit card to paying us with a credit card. And we noticed this in 2008 as well, and it lasted for a couple of years. And an awful lot of people... Um, that we see out and about in the supermarkets are paying for their groceries on a credit card instead of a debit card. And the amount of customers that have switched from debit to credit is outrageous. So I think there's a lot more pain to come, especially over here in the UK. I want yeah, to... no, I think... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the picture globally is complex. Uh, regionally, it's complex uh, based on your economic socioeconomic status it's super complex it's important and interesting that to take all that in but for me i lean on the technical analysis to really make the decisions you know like the s&p for example in the beginning of the year everyone was super bearish very sure of a recession 
and the recession never came. The technicals were, were suggesting we were making higher lows, higher lows, higher lows in a chart pattern reminiscent of an inverted head and shoulders. And sure enough, here we are. All of a sudden, we found some bullish catalyst in the AI revolution or whatever you want to call it. And uh, we're at 4,400. So that is not where people had us uh, at the end of last year, right? people being you know, analysts and whatnot. So I want to go to the learning tribe who uh, came on stage. They didn't have a chance to speak yet. And then we'll go to Batsy right after. But real quick, guys, the learning tribe is a community, real vision, community led Twitter space uh, hosted by Free Your Mind, DeFi Deffin and Money Penny. Uh, they host the space every Tuesday at 5 p.m. ET. Unfortunately, we stole their time slot today, but I'm happy that they could join us on stage. Free your mind. Is that you behind the account? How are you doing? Yeah, buddy. Thanks for letting me up. And uh, yeah, we were talking before this because Penny obviously is the co-host on both. She's like, what should we do? I'm like, well, there's no sense in hosting the space and competing with the people we're trying to support. So let's try to bring everybody over and make a, uh, a super space. So this has been a great conversation. It's been very valuable. Exactly the type of conversations we host every Tuesday. Uh, so yeah, definitely check it out if you're interested in these types of conversations. I actually wanted to switch gears a little bit and then we can come back if other people have different questions on the mental side. You know, Josh, the way your personality, your demeanor, and the way you're just even answering your questions and you hold yourself and the way you speak, you, you have just a very calm demeanor. And sometimes I've found like the, the traders that I've interacted with in the crypto space are, seem to be a little bit more high strung. And so I would assert and, and bet that you have a lot of practices that help you, uh, you know, remain mentally calm. And I don't know if maybe you could speak to some things that you do or kind of how you've built that up over the years. Yeah, sure. It's funny you say that. Um, you know, I have a low resting heart rate. I uh, have a low uh, pulse, bradycardic, whatever you want to call it. Um, you're right. I'm normally super calm, unbothered by most things um it's probably more genetics than uh in anything specifically but um per your personality you're right has a, has a big impact on trading and uh, stress has a big impact on your ability to trade profitably as well uh so you definitely want to again this is all like soft skills like silly stuff like make sure you're getting enough sleep make sure you're in the habit of physically exercising, right? Just, just silly stuff like that. Um, certainly helps, especially in a bull market when everyone's sort of all keyed up on, on euphoria. Um, but yeah, I don't really have any exercises specifically, sadly. Um, but you're right. I'm, I'm very calm person most of the time. You, you basically take 30% Josh. No, you take 70% Josh and 30% Elaine. That's how you deal with the market. <laughs> I was going to say, 10 minutes with me, um, Josh. I'll rustle your feathers, mate. <laughs> uh, listen, I cannot speak to the... I can speak to the importance of... I know Josh said it was silly, but like, I mean, he was probably joking, of course. But like, guys, the, the importance of sleep, it cannot be understated, honestly. Like, the days that I get more sleep... I can retain information better. I understand things better. I remember people's names in conversations. It's like, it's a magic hack, honestly. Get sleep, people. All right, Batsy, you kept your hand up. 
thank you for waiting patiently. We're going to go over to you now. Thank you, Gold Member. Um, so just another couple of questions for Josh, if you don't mind. Uh, so I am familiar with Truflation, the website, right? I didn't know that they do predictions. Can you just explain that and, and just tell me where I can find that on, you know, on, on the website, number one? And then I have a follow-up question. Thanks. Sure, yeah. So they do real-time inflation estimates. They get data points from all sorts of uh, you know, real estate inputs, uh, Redfin, um, I'm blanking on the other stuff. But they if, you through, yeah. if you go through the methodology, they'll, they'll sort of highlight uh, where they're getting their data points from. And a lot of people give them a lot of flack for being wrong or having the wrong methodology or whatever. And like, look, it's a data point. Okay. It's not perfect, but it is a data point and it has done really well over the past, uh, what year and a half or something that we've been sort of tracking, uh, inflation. Yeah, sure. So no, no, I, I'm familiar with the methodology and they, they use chain link and stuff to kind of get all the data points together in a, in a kind of fair way. But you said that they are right on the money in terms of predicting where inflation might go. Is that right. what you so we, we have CPI prints that are, you know, the previous month, right? Yeah. At least in the US. Uh, I think in the UK and ECB, I actually like how they do it better. I think they release a print, uh, like a preprint at the beginning of every month, and then they finalize it in the middle of the month or something like that. Yeah, they're, they revise it. Yeah. Um, I wish we did that here, but all of our data is a month lagging, right? So on top of that, the inputs in the CPI are some of them six month lagging, specifically the housing component. Um, okay. So when I say you know, predictive, the, the Truflation data you're seeing today is potentially the data that we're going to get on CPI a month from now. Oh, yes, I do see that on, on the US one. I, I see what you mean now. So they said, so it says reported government rate is 4%, but really uh, year on year, it's actually 2.45%. So what you're saying is probably in a couple or a few months, they're going to end up reporting what Truflation is already saying. Is that what you mean? Correct. So if you if you line it up and you sort of backdate where the CPI prints were relative to Truflation, mm. um, Truflation has been dead on the money <laughs> as far as where where that those data points should be. Um, one other thing I'll bring up in regards to inflation, um, there's another forecasting through the Fed. Um, I'm blanking on what it's called. It's uh, Anyway, there's there's another forecasting uh, site that does like two months in advance, basically, mm. and um, not this print, but the one after mm. the CPI print after this one uh, is expected to start rising again. Mm. So it's just going to be interesting politically what the Fed is going to do going into an election season and seeing CPI as low as it is potentially going to get, mm. and then what are they going to do? when CPI starts uh, rising again, potentially, you know, I, I hope they have this data in advance, right? I'm sure I and hope that they have real-time data to some degree, but you just never know, right? Okay, okay. And then my follow-up question was, thank you for that. My follow-up question was about the options market. Do you use that in your trading um, in terms of kind of trying to see where the volatility, I don't know what, 
don't know what Lance is laughing at. I'm trying to see where the volatility and stuff might be to kind of say, okay, right, um, I'm gonna I'm using the options market to try to kind of make my you know my normal day to day trades. Do you do you pay attention to that at all? Or not. Yeah, so because I'm a dirty, filthy American, I've really never been able to trade on Deribit, which is the premier options platform, honestly, in crypto. Um, so if I was going to trade options, that's where I would trade it. Um, the only data points I really get in regards to options would be uh, the max pain levels. So when we're coming up to an expiration or when there's a lot of open interest, um, the market may move to the area where it's more most painful price-wise for both the uh, calls and the puts or the longs and the shorts, however you want to think about that. Um, and another options data point to pay attention to is, is the uh, expiration dates specifically, because you'll have very large open interest around those dates potentially closing out and um, price likes to sort of not do any, not do anything until those those dates are, are finished and the, the rollover happened and whatever else, right? So that is important um, for sure. Even in, in legacy markets, you'll hear things like triple witching or um, you know quarterly roll that sort of thing. Um, that's kind of like futures options. And then there's backwardation and contango. And if I'm saying anything that anyone on this call has no idea what I'm talking about, uh, you can always go to Investopedia. That's another great free resource. You know, just just start looking stuff up, <laughs> and uh, or go to ChatGPT, right? Just start looking stuff up, and uh, those are great free resources to to try to understand what people are talking about. Yeah, Josh, you were speaking uh, you're speaking another language to me there. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you mentioning that. Investopedia is a great great resource. Let's uh, let's talk coins a little bit now. Obviously, I want to preface this by saying. This is not financial advice, guys. It says it right there in Josh's bio as well. Not financial advice. And we know this in the space. But being a, being that you're someone, you know, in the weeds, know, you know this stuff. You look at, you know, the what's going on in the market. What are some coins that are crypto coins that you are, are bullish on? And even a little step further than that, what are some coins that maybe the the general population in this space isn't aware of that could uh, have a breakout or be something that maybe we should be talking about? Yeah, so the first question I think anybody has to ask when they're trading anything is, does BlackRock have an ETF pending on this coin? You know, if the answer is no, then you have to take serious consideration and think, well, should I be trading the, the coin that the flows would potentially be coming from? Back to that uh, institutional flows question. Um, I'm certainly not a Bitcoin maximalist, but uh, right now is a great time to be a Bitcoin maximalist, certainly. Um, so from a coin perspective, something else you can look at is Bitcoin dominance, uh, btc.d on uh, TradingView, the ticker. And uh, I'm sure you guys have talked about dominance before, but it's just the relative um, Bitcoin market cap against everything else. And it continues to grow and grow and grow. It's about 50%. It's probably closer to 52%. Um, so because of that, you'll probably see more and more attention gravitate towards Bitcoin. Bitcoin will act as this black hole sucking all the liquidity out of altcoins in, in the near term. Um, that also has a really good opportunity for certain coins, not maybe now, but like, you know, weeks to months from now. 
when people start to capitulate and they start to see Bitcoins at whatever it is, 50K, 60K, it doesn't matter. Um, that's when you start to look for altcoin trades, in my opinion. Uh, I do this series on Wednesday where I talk about altcoin setups and um, on my YouTube channel. And there really hasn't been anything recently at all anywhere else. Uh, Ethereum does have a really good high time frame ascending triangle, which has a bullish bias from a technical perspective. Um, an ascending triangle is just a, a chart pattern. So ETH USD could do very well, and ETH BTC could also do very poorly. So <laughs> I'd keep that in mind, right? If you're trading on, on margin or something and you want to take this breakout trade on ETH USD, the chart looks great. The chart looks phenomenal. But from a relative value perspective, you still may be losing on a uh, just buy and hold against BTC. And oh. yeah, sure, go ahead. Can I just ask, what coin do you not like that's a popular coin? That either there's something about it you just don't like or you would never trade it? Is the one. Well, a lot of the layer ones, like uh, AVAX, Nalana, uh, Polkadot, um, they're sort of just copying what ETH is doing or trying to copy ETH. Um, so unless they build a better ETH, then it's really hard to justify what's going on in any other layer one right now. Um, my other scorching hot take is staking for ETH hasn't been a good thing. <laughs> I don't think over time it's going to be a good thing. Historically, it hasn't been a good thing. ETH does best price-wise when people are using it. And I don't consider staking it using it. Even liquid staking derivatives, um, those would have to take off exponentially, I think, in order for ETH price to, to do well. Um, but if you look at all the, the runs for ETH, they've been relative to ICOs, they've been relative to NFTs, they've been relative to DeFi. And throwing it in staking it just hasn't worked out. Not, I know it's early. I know it's super early on that. But that's that's been a problem for ETH, certainly. Um, ETH is a go forth and multiply coin. It's not a sit on it and stake it coin. So I think it has a bit of an identity crisis there, even though I think a lot of the ETH maxis are, you know, all about this this yield component. It's just not not in the identity of ETH. It just isn't. So I hope I'm wrong over time, but right now that certainly certainly hurt ETH. But any other altcoin, it comes back to, to regulation. You know, you're sort of risking potentially getting delisted on an exchange. So even Monero, which I love a lot from a fundamental perspective, um, that's got to be on top of the list to be delisted globally, just period, based on its uh, privacy capabilities. Um, so you, you got to pay attention to that stuff as well. You know, you, you may love a community. You may love a founder, a project, whatever. Uh, but the, the delisting risk globally for any of this stuff is extremely high right now because most regulatory regimes are extremely hostile towards uh, non-BTC cryptocurrencies. Um, so let me just chime in on that. Uh, there, There's a protocol, it's a project called ThorChain, and you can do swaps, cross-chain swaps, um, decentralized yeah um as long as there's liquidity in there so a lot of the stuff which is getting delisted uh things like monero if they 
if there is the liquidity pool in Monero, you can still swap between them without a centralized exchange. So you can have your Bitcoin and you could, in theory, use DoorChain to kind of swap in and out. So a lot of the kind of delisting risks can be mitigated with those kind of stuff, with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think from a price perspective, though, you know, you have Ripple's a great example, right? You have indices dropping it from, you know, like the Bitwise 10, you've got exchanges dropping it, you've got exchanges sending people an email saying, hey, we're going to delist this coin you're holding. Uh, either get it off or or sell it, basically, right? Like <laughs> It's kind of game over. You know, nothing's really dead until it's delisted. Bitcoin Cash is a great example. For a trader, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it had a it had a lot of two hundred percent run over the past whatever weeks, um, simply because it was listed somewhere. And you know you can get into the Binance Smart Chain conspiracy theories around BCH as well for fun. But um, nothing is dead until it, it gets delisted. So that is the ultimate bad news for any any coin at the end of the day. And you just got to be careful about that sort of thing, even as an industry or as a specific sector of the market like DeFi, for example, you know, if the US government decides to go after DeFi, then, you know, that's going to get really ugly for a lot of those coins. Josh, this was this is just a fantastic space. Oh, Penny, go ahead. Did you want to? Yeah, I just had another question for Josh. I was just going to ask, do you ever like lose your mind and just do a DGEN play and ape into a shit coin? like Bonk or Pepe, just for fun? I, I don't personally. Um, one thing I like to do, though, again, this sub-account mindset is, let's say Bitcoin dominance gets to 58 to 60%, okay? Let's say altcoins start to look good. I'll then take a percentage of the Bitcoin profits and just just look at the charts and just look at what looks good. You know, does Z, does Zcash look good? Does Link look good? Does Doge look good? It doesn't matter, right? I don't care. But at the end of the day, the the chart will dictate uh, for me where, where the money goes. And then I sort of treat it like an index where I just sort of spread the money around and let it do its thing. But um, alts will have their day. It's just not today. It's probably not tomorrow. But, um, you know, towards towards 2024, Things may look good again. Uh, I don't think NFTs are where it's at either. But um, but yeah, that's probably as, as DGEN as I get from that perspective. Thank you. I love that. I love that. Josh, this has been just a, a fantastic space. There's a, there's a phrase that comes to mind uh, of how I can explain this, this space. You give someone a fish, they'll eat for a day. But you teach them to fish and they'll eat for a lifetime. And Josh, you have taught us to fish today. So I really appreciate that. Uh, I want to I wanna leave it to you for any final final words you might have. Where can we find you? How can we watch your content? Follow along. Let us know. Sure, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Hopefully it wasn't you know too boring. But uh, as long as people, you're right, as long as people do their homework and you're dedicated and you're not just pressing buttons without knowing anything about anything, you'll probably do okay, okay? <laughs> and the most important thing is to, to make sure you have a seat at the table. Uh, as far as my content, uh, I do a lot of content on YouTube, youtube.com slash Carpe Noctum. Uh, I post it to Twitter as well. And uh, TradingView, I'm on TradingView. So you'll see everything I do on Twitter. And uh, if you ever have any, any questions about anything, just 
hit me up in the comments uh, on Twitter or on YouTube. Wonderful. Everyone, make sure you follow Josh. Make sure you follow the Learning Tribe. Go engage with their content. I mean, this was just a fantastic space. I'm going to go watch some of Josh's videos on YouTube right after this. So uh, so don't at me. I'll be, I'll be on YouTube right now. But everyone, you have a great day. Happy Taco Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow. It is all week. We're doing the crypto gathering. Tomorrow, we're talking about what all of this means for Web3 and NFTs. So let's continue the conversation, and, and we'll talk to you then. Rick Rule. Rick Rule is a favorite of the Real Vision community. If you'd like to meet Rick and get a masterclass from the master himself, you'll want to head to the Rick Rule Symposium on Natural Resource Investing in Florida, July 23 to 27. You'll get access to industry insiders, elite bullion dealers, gold council members, and uranium pros. Just head over to realvision.com slash Rick for tickets. That's realvision.com slash Rick.